All right, welcome back to the Celtic Slap Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Cameron Tempsabai, and I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. Alex has the day off. Justin, you just had a birthday. How was your birthday? Well, I'm definitely going to be older because I only had a few skulls, and I'm ready to connect now, so uh, good, I guess. Yeah, that sounds like a productive birthday, especially when your yeah. birthday's on a Wednesday. Uh, okay, so productive birthday. Uh, I got nothing to report over here. I mean, I have school break coming up. That's going to be nice. Uh, it does coincide with the NBA taking a break, which is either a good or bad thing. And yeah, we are recording. It's Thursday afternoon, so the Celtics... Short of Jason Tatum at All-Star Weekend, they have a nice little break until next Thursday where they'll play the Nets, which we we can talk about that if you want. But we instead today are first going to talk about how the team has been playing. That win streak, uh, which is over, deserves some of our attention. We're also going to talk about buyout candidates and what the Celtics are going to do to the back end of their roster because they have a few spots open right now. So we will get to that in the lab portion of the programming. But first, we're going to talk about the win streak that was, how it kind of ended in unspectacular fashion. And we haven't really talked about Derek White, so we'll talk about him too. So since we last recorded, it's been a little more than a week, the Celtics not only were on a nine-game win streak, which I'm sure everyone knows about, but they were also just pulverizing people. Um, They took a pretty depleted Brooklyn team to task. They had a nice win over Denver. They had a pretty scrappy win over Atlanta. They beat the absolute snot out of the Sixers, 135 to 87, and then they lost to Detroit. So, Dr. Quinn, any of those games you want to talk about first? Well, I think we can safely discount the Nets one. I mean, it was was fun. I mean, yeah. Comeuppance is always great, but it's better if it's against the people who actually pissed you off in the first place. So, we can skip that. Uh, the Denver game was, you know, entertaining. The Compasso flop slash fall was one of the high points of the week, for me at least. And maybe not him. Uh, the Hawks, uh, you know, it was a really rough early start. Some cracks in the edifice that started to get me wondering if that was going to be the end of the streak. But they pulled it through. They, they, they managed to make it happen. Uh, the Philly game. I, I, we just have to spend a little bit of time on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, other than the absolute shellacking, uh, the record for three-pointers in one game at 25 being set, uh, I was really encouraged by the career-high 18 points off the bench for Aaron Neesmith, and I am as convinced as I ever have been they need to get him at least 10 minutes a night or they need to ship him off to play with the main Celtics. Yeah. No, we, we've... We've talked about that a lot. He's got to get touches. And hey, <laughs> at the NBA level, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll t- I'd love to talk about the Sixers game. Uh, what I really liked was how they dealt with Embiid, which we don't know if this this will hold because Harden obviously complicates things. Harden didn't play. But uh, Embiid, they just swarmed him. I mean, he got to the free throw, free throw line maybe a little too much, but I like that model of make him work because – in the landscape of the Eastern Conference, there's a lot of teams that are fast and pass-happy and have, can attack from a lot of angles. But then the Sixers and the Bucks are a little different because they have these huge, really ball-dominant guys in the middle in Embiid and Giannis. And the rebound numbers, their pace, they're just different. They buck the trend. And so how you play against the Sixers and the, uh, the Bucks is going to be different. And I liked that model a lot. Again, it changes with Harden in the fold, but... Embiid just looked tired and gassed and angry because they were giving him nothing easy. I mean save a bunch of free throws, but still that's work. Um, so I really liked what I saw from that. I mean, 
we can, we'll talk about the defense and how everlasting or not the defense might be, but it's also an adaptive defense. It's not just like, this is, we play zone and we're good at zone. It's they're confident and flexible in how they play defense as was uh, on the case, uh, the case with the Sixers game. And I, that makes me very happy. So yeah, uh, the pictures of Harden on the bench were phenomenal. The pictures of Embiid after the game were phenomenal. Neesmith actually playing well is phenomenal, but the defense and specifically the, the, we're defending this opponent, not an opponent was really cool. I think it's going to work okay once Harden comes back, just because they didn't need to involve too many backcourt players. Uh, Marcus Smart was not around for the entire game. He had to leave early with an injury, but he's playing sick too, which was even more impressive. But the thing that I think tickles my fancy the most about the front court defense on Embiid is it was made possible by the Celtics bringing back two guys they were unwilling to pay in the first place to <laughs> do that same job. So pretty cool. Yeah, uh, just on that, because uh, it's kind of recent news. So the next night they lost at home to Detroit and a pretty close game all around. But importantly, they were without Smart, who has an ankle sprain or f- ankle sprain. And Rob Williams, who has some calf tightness, big deal, little deal, no deal on um, either of those injuries, as best you can tell. Well, it's really hard to say with, with you know ankle injuries how it's going to turn out, but we do have the all-star break in front of us, so that's a really good thing as far as that goes. Same with Rob's calf tightness, any lower extremity stuff with him, they need to take it as delicately as possible, and they could not have picked a better time for either of those injuries, so fingers crossed it's going to be pretty minor, but, you know, they can relax, take an all-star game, heal up, and be ready. And to that end, the the Detroit game, which you're not going to win every game, it did – I saw you tweeting about this as such. There's still a little bit of scar tissue from the beginning of the season where no lead is safe and this team uh, has bad habits. And part of me felt that in spades, like ugh, a lot of iso ball and a lot of confusion. But also they're without two of their – four best players. So I don't know how much I bought into that, that fear that I was feeling. Any thoughts on the Detroit game? I, I, I have expected it to happen just because it would have been such an ugly loss for them to lose to do basically the worst team in the league. And they did. And, you know, it's easy to say that after the fact, but all the signs were there for a trap game. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to be there. I don't even think the Pistons necessarily wanted to be there, but they were at least playing really hard. The Celtics looked like they were already in Cleveland as far as they were concerned. And while I did see those bad habits also, I'm going to be more worried if I see them with the players who they want to see on the floor. You know, health is obviously very important to this team. I think that once they get back on the court and once they have a little bit more familiarity to practice together a bit more and and really integrate Derek White, we should talk about, uh, I think this team is going to be really, really good. And I'm not at all worried, to be honest. Yeah, I I was a little annoyed, but like, again, I have February break as a high school teacher in Massachusetts. I'm not going to be doing my best teaching tomorrow. Let's just be honest. I am going to have uh, my mind's going to wander in advance. If any student or colleague is listening, it's just the truth. Anyways, it has been quite a pleasure to watch Derek White integrate with the Boston Celtics. It's been really a pleasure to see Daniel Tice back. I, it's like he never left uh, a lot of ways. And honestly, 
it seems like Dennis Schroeder is a little happy, happier in Houston than I thought he was going to be. So let's let's kind of talk about a week after the trade deadline, how we're feeling. Let's start with White. A, what are your thoughts? B, what have you heard? What do you think? Um, are you surprised at where we're at? No, I mean, I'm surprised at the level of synergy so fast, so quickly. I thought that yeah. they were going to approach this good at some point. And the fact that they're kind of already hitting that stride early is really promising and vindicates a lot of my whining about the lack of a, a natural ball mover on the team. Now, Smart is really developing into that, and the Jays are showing some flashes of that. And probably in a future episode, we can talk about how that is really going to be imperative about what the next big piece is going to be that they do, or if they even need to add a big piece. There is a pretty right. good chance they don't need to. But overall, I'm very happy with what I've been seeing, particularly on the defensive end. I think White fits in pretty seamlessly. I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with his offense. He has some of the bad habits that Marcus Smart has. Uh, it's almost like they're they're like a rough copy of one another. Right. And that you just see him shoot those three-pointers so early in the clock sometimes that it really gets under my skin. But, I mean, if he's going to do everything else the way he does, just like Marcus, I will live with it. Yeah, if you next, I guess it'll be a week from now or longer. The next time you watch him play, dear listener, you can see if you, if you just track him, you don't follow the ball. You can see him and he still doesn't really know where to stand, what he's supposed to do. And that totally makes sense. I mean, he's new to the, the offense and the offense is ostensibly new if, if, if it exists at all. So I have similar hesitations, but the, the moments where it works, it really works. And at the very least, the, the real trust and camaraderie is there. I, I think they liked Richardson plenty. I think they liked uh, Schroeder plenty. But this is like a full-blown peer of theirs. And I think that that's going to matter. I mean, the trust on defense is unbelievable. The offense, uh, it, they're not going to live and die by Derek White. I mean, if they are, that's a bigger problem anyways. So if they're starting to lose games because Derek White, uh, or Smart for that matter, took a few too many threes, that could happen, but it's probably on the Jays and Udoka to, you know, move the ball and, and or take over. So I'm happy enough. The returns, I loved the trade when it happened. I'm kind of embarrassed that we hadn't considered it. Although credit to Alex, if Alex is listening, I'm pretty sure he dropped Derek White's name at least once during the Somebody fall. Somebody did. It wasn't me. I'm focused on the other guy from the San Antonio backcourt, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to you, Alex. Uh, I, hope, I hope you're enjoying your days off, but I know that you're not. Uh, Daniel Tice back in the fold, same old war on Tice, it seems like. What does he mean for the Celtics as far as you can tell? Well, he needs to figure out some other ways to contribute besides the Tice seal because they either just like completely losing it. The couple times I saw him try to do it, they just like didn't do it. They didn't complete yeah. it. And also they're, they're not really like being so friendly with calls. They're calling fouls on that a lot more often now if there's any signs of movement. So I do think that he's going to need to be integrated a little bit updated i guess you could say because this is this is similar faces but very different regime in terms of how they play so yeah the having him and horford stepping into threes if they can hit them at a reasonable clip i was surprised he looks way more confident now yeah i mean he's not the (laughs) prototypical uh he's not kevin love right um and al horford at times is is exactly what you want sometimes he leaves a little to be desired but that look of not just one big, but two bigs that can spread the floor could be really helpful. I mean, I think Tice and White give the Celtics a lot more uh, dynamic looks. Um, yes, they might end up relying on unproven players, which we'll talk about in the lab, but the White and 
Tice do things to the offense that just like the old guys didn't give in the same way. So, I mean, we wish all the best in the world for Josh Richardson. Again, I think Schroeder likes Houston. Maybe he's just putting on a happy face, but he was talking about how fun the offense is, how excited the players are. I mean, I think his team for the most part, I mean, he's the veteran voice on that team now. So I can see why he'd be happy with that. Yeah. And if, if he believes in himself, he can showcase, maybe he can actually get a payday. So I'm happy for him and, and his freedom isn't on the team anymore. So that's a fact. Uh, any other thoughts on the trade deadline a week out, any of the non Celtics trades starting to really intrigue you? Uh, I hadn't really thought about that, but I will say that I am very happy that we don't have to deal with Enos's activism, shall we say, anymore. I wish him the best. Some of the causes that he believes in are really important, and I think that it's good that he is still pushing for them. I just don't like how and with whom he is pushing for them, and uh, I wish him the best far away from the Celtics. Good luck. Yeah, Senator Cruz, if you're going to lampoon China and Apple, you should not tweet from your iPad. I mean, we can all see that you tweeted from your iPad. You Horrible, horrible <laughs> wet noodle. Oh, not Cruz, Marco Rubio. They're both horrible people. Who cares? Um, let us know in the comments if you agree. Anyways. We're not. Yeah, we're not. Another thing that we ought to talk about is Jalen Brown's mini campaign to be an all-star game replacement, which as of right now has been unsuccessful because Jared Allen, who plays for the Cavs, is replacing uh, James Harden. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach Levine is still injured and could need a replacement? They're trying to manage it as far as I understand it, and he should not play. Go enjoy the weekend, all the good stuff. Don't play. Kemba Walker, all I'm going to say. I mean, I guess they, he could just check in and check out the way Draymond did when um, Fair. play came back. but. Regardless, it doesn't seem like Jalen Brown is going to be an all-star. Should Jalen Brown have been an all-star? He's right on the edge, you know? I mean, we could we could debate on whether or not. Like, I think Jared Allen definitely deserved it ahead of him. Uh, I'm not so, so sure. that There are other people who are also in the running. I would put him in, but I'm biased. I mean, is there anyone in your mind that stands out as a, as a more viable candidate now? Um, Drew Holiday makes sense to me, but not overwhelmingly. I mean, when the first votes came through, the Bucks were that much better than the Celtics, and that made made a lot of sense. But in that time, the Celtics have closed the gap, and Jalen Brown has been a huge part of that gap closing. I'm so happy that Jared Allen got the nod, A, because it's in Cleveland, but B, because he's playing. I mean, the Cavs are still in the fourth or something like that. I mean, he's really damn good. So... No, Jalen's like right on that cusp. I guess there's a few other players that you can make a case for, but probably not. Um, so Levine did not play in Chicago last night. I don't think that there's been that much chatter about him needing to be replaced, but I definitely don't think he's going to play in the game uh, for very long. Anyways, we have a few more bits of news and then we will hop into the lab. And the last bits of news are very much so related to the lab. Um, we have in our notes that Marcus Smart was interviewed on the Old Man on the Three podcast. I did not listen to that. Did you? I did. It was okay, tell us fun. about it then. You should, perfect, you should definitely, perfect. if you haven't, check it out. Uh, there is lots of discussion with video evidence of Marcus's uh, best slash most notorious skill, 
selling calls as he likes to pretend uh, everyone else thinks of it as flopping. It was fun. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good uh, behind the scenes chatter about how these guys get along with each other, uh, you know, when they're not on the court and how that changes when they do step on the court. It was really revelatory. And I think it was, it was a lot of fun. Check it out. Cool. And I think Jason Tatum is uh, going to be on that podcast next. I'm not sure. I didn't know. I think they teased that on social. So after you've liked and subscribed to this high quality podcast and liked and subscribed to this high quality YouTube channel uh, by way of CLNS Celtics media, you could go check that podcast out, but not until you've listened to us <laughs> ramble. All right. So shout out to the old man on the three podcast, shout out to video editors everywhere and shout out to our friends at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and where the next fired coach might be, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Justin, I have it in front of me. We have an all-star game coming up, and on Bet Online, our friend Jason Tatum is a plus 2,000 to win MVP at the all-star game. You taking that? No. Okay. Uh, can I interest you? Can I interest you in Giannis at plus four hundred, LeBron at plus five hundred, or Joel Embiid at plus six hundred? I think I would go with Joel Embiid just because the odds are a little long, but like it's realistic. I don't think that, based on how the politics of an All Star Game offense works, I don't think Jason Tatum's quite in position to actually get that yet. No. Uh, that said, John Moran at plus seven hundred, and an increasingly in shape Luka Doncic at plus twelve hundred. I'm keeping my money in my pocket, but if I were going to hop on betonline.ag, that's where I think I would find value. That sounds good, yeah. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right uh, into the Olympic coverage as well. They are the best in the business from sports and your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's hop into the Celtics lab and talk about an interesting problem that the Celtics have on their hands. Because of the, the trades that they made at the trade deadline, they have 12 roster slots filled right now and one two way deal, meaning they can add up to three regular season players and one two way guy. They did upgrade Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett to the rest of the season. So those guys help fill this problem or fill out the bench or win basketball games, perhaps. Quick thoughts on Hauser and Cornett before we look into all the other options on the table. So I think Cornett just gives them a different kind of a look. There's another guy on this list of players who we're going to be talking about shortly, who I think could do a very similar and probably better job, but at least to start to have a big man who is a little bit more reliable than say maybe Tice or Al can be on some nights, just to have somebody else you could turn to, particularly if one of them is injured and you just, you really need more shooting. And this team needs more shooting. So, uh, Hauser and in the, the green cornet both, I think, are, are excellent pickups in that role. And it's also just good seeing what, what Hauser has been doing in the G League, you know, regularly north 20 points, regularly knocking down better than 40% of his three-pointers. He's just a guy you want to get under a multiple-year contract just to develop him. It was a mistake for him not to go drafted in, in the second round, and 
you know, good, good for Boston. Cool. Very cool. So they still have up to three more spots. That's correct. All right. And we suspect mightily that they'll add at least a player or two. What is the legal limit for fewest players they can have? Do you know off the top of your head? So you can be where the Celtics are now, I think, at 12 players for up to two weeks. Uh, I think it has to be after a trade, but I have to double check on that. Don't take my word for that. But you need to carry 13 players uh, as, a, as a bare minimum, and you want the, – the league really pushes you to carry 14 at a minimum. They, they mm-hmm. don't want you to, to basically not hire people. Uh, the Players Association in particular – is a big force behind this. They don't want teams to save money, which is what Boston's trying to do right now, at least partially. You know, I mean, the fact that they they can inch closer to the um, all-star game and, and just kind of like let time pass, I think it's going to be, be helpful to them to achieving their goals, but they do need to fill out the rest of this roster and not just for financial reasons. Right. And we'll talk about in just a second who they might look at and why. It's worth noting, as we did off air, that uh, the Celtics are so close to the tax. And so for that reason, when we talk about the buyout guys, A, it's Boston and it's still winter. They might not have that competitive advantage, but B, they can't necessarily spend all that money bringing in buyout guys uh, or free agents or anything like that. So well, they can do 10 days. They can kick 10, guy, 10 day contracts down to get even close to the end of the season. So the actual amount they end up paying somebody is going to be cheap. Now on our last podcast with Yossi Goslin from Hoops Hype, we talked about how they are probably going to prioritize or for at least one of these positions, if not all of the regular roster positions, because those do count against the cap, unlike the uh, two-way position. They are probably going to prioritize veteran tenure uh, or at least close to 10-year veterans because those guys get the bulk of their salary covered by the NBA itself. So that doesn't show up on a tax bill. Sure. Um, And to that end, if they want to take someone to the playoffs, not just like a 10-day, that's going to matter. But uh, I'll cross someone off our buyout guy list right now, Goran Dragic. I bet there's going to be a little bit of a bidding war. I don't think he was ever going to come to Boston, but I don't think they could financially trump anyone's offer for the reasons we just outlined. So... Uh, Justin, you compiled a list of high-profile buyout candidates. I think Drogic is the only one who actually has been bought out, but doesn't matter. It doesn't seem like. So let me run through these because they, they're they worthy names, and then we're going to pick a few. After buyout guys, we'll talk about just full-blown free agents, um, people who have been unsigned for a while. And then if we have time, a little bit about the G League candidates and maybe even some overseas candidates, some that might be a little familiar. All right, buyout guys. in whatever particular order Justin wrote these down. Kent Bazemore, uh, Lakers, Eric Bledsoe, Trailblazers, Goran Dragic, eh, we hardly knew you. Dirk Favors, Thunder, Gary Harris, Orlando Magic, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Sacramento Kings, DeAndre Jordan, please God, no. Los Angeles Lakers, Robin Lopez, Orlando Magic, Mike Muscala, Oklahoma City Thunder, and Tomas Sadaransky, San Antonio Spurs. Justin, of that list that you compiled, what name or two are you most a intrigued by and or b think that the Celtics might actually sign i'm most intrigued by robin lopez just because he is a big man who theoretically can play at a fairly high level has a little bit of an outside shot kind of like the other guys that we've been talking about 
not that great, but at least can shoot away from the basket and provide a little bit more spacing. He's, again, a very big body, and most of the paths to the Eastern Conference Finals for the Celtics would plausibly go through either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers, and in both of those cases, the more big bodies with fouls available to throw at those guys, the better. Um, alternatively, Mike Muscala of the Thunder was a guy that I really wanted the Celtics to take a look at, try to pick up cheaply just for his shooting. Yep. And he's just like, this is the guy I was talking about with Luke Cornet. He's like a slightly better version of Luke, uh, much older. So there's not really any room for growth or improvement, but you know, we're talking about bio guys here. So. All right. So this is, this is a good segment that they, uh, they could run on Twitter as a tease. This is what the Celtics need from the buyout market. If they're going to add. Uh, people to the end of their bench. They need one or all three of the following. A backup point guard. It's not clear that Marcus Smart will not get injured again. Derek White can be a point guard, but he's not necessarily the point guard. And having someone who knows how to run an offense might be important because if the Jays get a little too ISO heavy, having a true point guard will be important. So for that reason, I like Sadoransky, but I'll get into that in a second. Another thing that they need is exactly your point, a big man, six fouls. Uh, it would be nice if it was a big man who could stay on the court. For other reasons, it'd be nice if it's a big man that uh, rebounds or can shoot, but six extra fouls would be nice because you might need Tice to be in the end of a game uh, if there's injuries. You might need Grant Williams three-point shooting. So you can't burn fouls on them, but if you can get Robert Lopez to come and foul and beat six times, that's fantastic. Third thing that the Celtics should get uh, possibly on the buyout market, maybe not PJ Brown. That seems like a long shot, but the last time they did that, it worked really well. I would encourage them to consider that move again, um, or someone who can shoot basketball, preferably PJ Brown. Okay. Uh, the people that you have on your list, other than Sadoransky that I really like that are, uh, is worth shouting out. Well, I'll just say this. I don't think that the Celtics are going to sign Gary Harris, but until he is bought out and signs with another team, we have to talk about it probably. Um, it'd be pretty awesome if they could. He's a great player, good shooter. I would fear that if he didn't get enough touches, um, he wouldn't be as good of a player or he wouldn't be as happy of a player. It's probably an upgrade over Pritchard, but if you have any interest in growing Pritchard or showcasing Pritchard, I don't know that it like I, I would air on that side of the fence rather than bring in Gary Harris, but it would be a no pun intended, pretty splashy addition. If a, the Celtics can leap all the other contenders who would want Gary Harris, if he's bought out and B, if they can integrate him into the offense meaningfully, any Gary Harris thoughts. Uh, if he does, if he does get bought out, I, I would assume he's going to Los Angeles or a team where he'll actually get some serious playing time. I don't think he'll, he'll get like 15 to 20 minutes with Boston. So I don't think it's too realistic. They should start him on the Lakers. I mean, the (laughs) team is a dumpster fire. Okay, so the the only other buyout guy that I uh, have eyes for, and then we'll move on, is Derek Favors. I actually think that he's more than six fouls. Um, I think that he would give the Celtics just so much more insurance to go big, or at the very least, if they want to go small, just depth at the five. So... I know that we've talked about Derek Favors on this podcast and you and Alex aren't as high on him as I am, but if the Celtics can for the right price, add them a uh, Derek Favors to the bench, go for that it. price. It's, it's, yeah. It's a no brainer. I, I, I was never too crazy about bringing him on for what he's making now, which is way too much. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Let's talk about 
current free agents. So the, the people that we were just discussing haven't yet been bought out and they might not be. So we might have just wasted five minutes of your life. These free agents though, they are free agents. And so this is gonna be the best five minutes of your life. Uh, here's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what our listen, listeners are up to. All right, here's the, here's the list Justin came up with. DJ Augustine, Aaron Baines, Jordan Bell, Moses Brown, Michael Carter-Williams, Willie Cauley-Stein, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Etwan Moore, Jabari Parker. Oh, I added that. And uh, Isaiah Thomas. I don't even know if legally they can sign Jabari, actually, but... I don't think they can. Uh, if you waive someone the same season, you can't. But, I mean, it's nice to think about, uh, except for then Ime would play him too much, and then we'd be complaining and having the same problems we did earlier this season. But I digress. Anyway. Well, actually, that's an interesting point that you raised. Before I ask you about this list, counterintuitively, I don't really want them to add anyone because... Udoka's shorter rotation has been really successful and I don't want him to feel compelled to have to play anyone that it doesn't make sense to play fouls and injury insurance is really important. So they're, they're, they ought to sign someone, but uh, there's one little guy on this list that Uh, you already divined my thinking here. (laughs) Well, no, I was going to say, I don't want them to sign him. I don't think they're going to play either of the people who I am personally interested let me just vomit up these people this would be isaiah thomas i am interested in filling one of these open spots with a veteran minimum contract that will be mostly paid by the nba and will be an udonis haslam type contract oh oh oh, i thought you were saying i was like that's not an option (laughs) (laughs) no it's not an option because he is basically a coach who is a player and i think there is some utility in that people take you a little bit more seriously they look at you as one of us when you're on that side of the clipboard. So in that role, if he were willing to take it and he completely understood, which I'm not sure certain he would understand, but if he did understand that the only time he is playing is if someone is injured and there is another alternative that he's there to impart his wisdom. He's there to teach. He's there to keep people in line. I would be all for that. The other one is Aaron Baines for the same reason of the big guys we've talked about before. He does have an outside shot and he's six fouls. And hey, why not just bring back everybody? Aaron Baines is the most preposterous outside shot. It looks worse than when I shoot a basketball, but it goes in really well. It's more his legs. Like his le- I feel like he's going to fall down. Um, Isaiah, yeah. If Isaiah understands that role that you just outlined, that's very good. And I think part of the problem is he keeps being brought in by teams that actually need high production, high performance. And I don't know if IT has it left in him to be that player in the NBA. It is interesting that Brad Stevens seems to be bringing back all the players that Danny Ainge shipped out. And so maybe Brad Stevens is much more interested in a reunion. And maybe he thinks that uh, IT or Baines or both would mean something to the current roster. It would be, I mean, I guess Ainge is gone. It wouldn't be that awkward anymore. I don't, I, I don't know that we know what Brad Stevens role was in that trade, but Okay, I'm in. You talked me into it. Uh, the names that I was going to shout out, I, I just believe Willie Cauley-Stein can be a valuable asset to a team. I, I'm not a college hoops fan, really. I know that he has disappointed the college hoops fans, but I, I think that he's got something. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's a free agent right now, but I would love to see that happen. And Hell, if we're going to get the band back together, DJ Augustine, he's little and a huge defensive liability, but he can hit a shot and he can quarterback an offense. And that would that was something that I listed at the top as important. So 
any of these names, I'm pretty intrigued by, not Jabari, because that's not allowed. I'm not intrigued by that anymore. But yeah, these these names are somewhat, sometimes somehow more fun than the buyout guys, I think, even though they're technically unemployed and probably for a reason. Any- well, yeah, we have to talk about Aaron Baines, too. Uh, he had a horrific fall at the Olympics, and he's been working his way back from basically learning how to walk again. So it may not even be in the cards that he'll be playing in the NBA again ever. I, we really, you know, we're pulling for him. We love him. We want to see him back. But with that in mind, it may not even be realistic that he could be a buyout kind of like, well, not buyout kid, but a free agent signing, I guess, post trade, post trade deadline. Uh, yeah. Or I, I just if they're content with the team. I know that this is like a little flippant for a Celtics team that has been closer to 500 than not for most of the season, but just like giving these guys a role and a Jersey and as a thank you for what they have done in the past for the team feels meaningful and perhaps important. I mean, if I'm not going to play right until, I mean, if again, if it comes to it in your buyout guy or your March edition guy is playing meaningful minutes, you have bigger problems anyways. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, some of these names from the G League, specifically the the main Celtics that you have listed, I have a quick question: Are there are there any extra like hoops to jump through for signing a G League player to your NBA roster, or is it just the same as anything else? So it depends. They're technically free agents unless they're two way players, uh, or I think affiliate players also have to have the permission of the team. And many teams, if they have an affiliate player being asked to another team uh, will just be like, yeah, because why would you hold a guy back from making money? That's just bad business for everybody involved. If you're not going to pay him yourself, let him go be paid someplace else. (coughs) Excuse me. That said, all of these guys are from Maine. Uh, There's a couple of, so I'm just going to listen real quick. Cat Barber, who is not with Maine. I forget what team he is with. Best name in the G League. Uh, He's, he's been pretty amazing. He's shooting an unsustainable 46.9% from three, and he does a little bit of everything. So he's one of the guys I'm really interested in. Good friend Taco Fall. I think he's with the Canton mm-hmm. Charge, which is Cleveland's G League team. I think he could probably do something in situations for, for the Celtics, but then you have to sign him. I'm pretty certain. I don't think he has any uh, 2A eligibility left now that he's been cut. Maybe he does. I would have to find out whether or not you can become – twice in one season a G League. Clearly I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, these are, you know, the the the, the stuff around the margins that that, you know, experts that we really should bring on the show more often to talk about these kinds of things could help us with. Mm-hmm. Uh Denzel Valentine is with uh the main Celtics. I do expect him to be one of the next guys up. I think they're just waiting to save time and money so they don't have to pay sure. as much. Um he might pop up on a 10 day just to see how he does before they sign him for a rest of season. Uh, but he is also shooting very well from three. And again, does a little bit of everything. So I think that he is a guy that could conceivably play. I don't know if he's going to change any outcome of any games or anything like that, but he's, he's a warm body. The problem with him is as a wing, he's going to be competing for playing time for guys you actually do want to be playing. So, Yeah, a little on the small size, uh, if I remember. But well, like no, he's, he's like six five, I think. I feel like he's shorter than that. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Um, he has real NBA experience. I think that matters. It, it, I don't think he's old enough to, or has a wealth of experience to be, you know, like this 
sage veteran, but rather than take a flyer on someone that you're not going to give minutes to anyways, again, reinforcing the bench with reliable, mature players is probably pretty helpful. They won't look lost on the floor if they do have to play. Right. And I mean, but the story of the Celtics for the past two seasons is they've just played bad players. So if you're going to do that, you might as well play bad experienced players, but that's another conversation, I suppose. All right. uh, The Celtics could, in theory, bring in someone from overseas as well. You have uh, a list of some pretty interesting names, uh, some that I'll be able to pronounce. I apologize in advance, but no one knows how to pronounce Tepa Dubai. So again, take it, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Um, uh, Wuhan Bagarin, is that the French kid? Juhan Bagarin? Uh, yeah, he was the Celtics' last draft pick. He is yeah. doing okay overseas. I don't quite think he's ready yet, but he does have the size where he's not going to be pushed around on the floor at least. So there is at least some playability for him. I, I think they're going to leave him overseas. I don't think we're going to see him. Yeah, and, and same, same, but different. Yamadar uh, is on this list. I guess it would be kind of akin to baseball where they kind of call guys up in September. Like they could... I don't know the legalese, but they could bring them over and kind of like give them a little bit of experience before burying them again. Um, That's only going to happen is if he, if he can get out of his current contract because they're right. not going to pay the buyout. buyout. I don't think that counts against the cap. Again, Keith Smith, if you're, if you're hearing this, we need you. Come on the show, please. Uh, someone help us. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, uh, the situation with Madar, he's on another team. I'm not entirely certain when their season ends. So there are some other obstacles that even if he was a perfect fit, that would probably need to be ironed out. Sure. Okay. So maybe friendly faces, but uh, a little more complicated, as is the case with anyone on this list. Uh, you also have listed Dante Exum, who plays for Barca right now, uh, with friend of the pod, Gershon Yabuselli, right? And Vincent uh, yeah. Borea. No, no, no. Uh, Yabusele and Parier are with uh, Real Madrid now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Eh, close enough. Right country. Long... So, right country, right league. Vastly different cities. And, uh, and now I have a whole separatist movement mad at me. Um, okay, uh, thoughts on Tante Exum? He's big. He's been in the NBA. He can probably run an offense very briefly. Yeah. I mean, man, what is... We don't have time for it, but I feel bad for Dante Exum. That's a that's a reasonable what if for the NBA. Uh, um, another name you have on this list, apologies in advance, Alan Semilogic. I don't have any idea, but S-M-A-I-L-A-G-I-C. He was previously with the Golden State Warriors, can play decently when surrounded with good players, plays very poorly when surrounded with bad NBA players, and presumably good in the EuroLeague. And you also have Scotty Wilbekin. Wilbekin. He is a product of my alma mater, University of Florida. Uh, Never really got a chance to, you know, stretch his wings in the NBA. And I think he could become a low-level rotation player. Uh, Definitely some, some, I don't know, quadruple draft (laughs) uh, value potentially there. But again, with all of these guys, you got to get them off the current team. I don't know what the current situation is. So take all of these overseas guys with a grain of salt because of that. Sure. So to recap, the Celtics almost definitely are going to add one or two or three players in the coming days. <laughs> now that we've listed all these guys, it's not going to be anyone that we talked about. I'll tell you that much. But we tried our best. Uh, thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe to this podcast if 
you haven't already. Thank you to CLNS. Thank you to the Celtics Wire. And thanks to betonline.ag for making this all possible. And I hope everyone has a wonderful little all-star break. We will be back next week during the break anyways. But, uh, you know, Jason Tatum and all those homies, good luck at the game and whatnot. Thanks for listening.